Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. I want to read Psalm 100 and then offer a brief prayer. Hear now the words of David in Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. Father, we commit this time of worship to you this morning. May our spoken words, our songs, our prayers, the preaching of your word bring glory to your name today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On Friday, August 27th, the GAs left the church to go on a fall retreat. Our first stop was Fun Depot in Asheville. We enjoyed a great time of fun and fellowship. When I was doing mini golf, at the beginning of each hole, they had a Bible verse, and here are some I enjoyed. Romans 6, 23, John 3, 17, Romans 10, 9, and Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Our next stop was our motel, where we enjoyed swimming in the pool. On Sunday morning, we ate breakfast at Aha. I learned they are very nice and very welcoming. I also learned that a couple are there for two weeks. Then another couple comes for two weeks. They are really nice. I love going there. At 10 a.m., we arrived at the Boot Hill Children's Home. We visited the Wall Cottage. Um, there were 12 girls that lived in the cottage. The house parents were Tom and Reed. I learned the girls have to share a room. We played fun games. I had a really good time playing with them. I learned a lot about each girl. They were so fun to hang out with. I cannot wait to see them again. We all got to ride on a golf cart to see the campus. I had a lot of fun. The GAs would like to thank Joanne Lutz and Barbara Green for the beautiful pillowcases they made for each child. Thank you to everyone who gave money for each girl to have a Walmart gift card. Thank you for the school supplies you gave the children's home. Next Sunday morning, October 4th, the GAs would like to invite everyone to come and hear the children from the Baptist and children home. As you turn to hymn number 390, I invite you to consider the words of the second verse of this hymn. We are called to be God's servants, working in his world today, taking his own task upon us, all his sacred words obey. Let us rise then to his summons, dedicate to him our all, that we may be faithful servants, quick to answer now his call. We have the opportunity this morning to answer that call by joining with Baptists all across the state of North Carolina in giving a special mission offering. And the GAs who um, were part of the group who shared this morning um, are ready with the baskets at the altar to receive your offering. So please come forward as we stand and sing hymn number 390.
going to invite any kids to come on down for the children's sermon. Sorry, guys, upstairs I left my mic in my office. All right. Now, I'm going to do this before I forget it. Last couple of times I've had a really good scripture to go with it, and I get into talking and I just leave the scripture out. And I think that's one of the most important things I can share with you. So here now from the gospel of, of Mark, chapter 9, verse 50. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. So I brought a shaker of salt here, and I don't use salt that often. Um, How many of you use salt? So in other words, you sit down at the table, your food comes, do you taste it and then put salt on it? You don't. Well, how do you know if it needs salt? You taste it. Well, so some of you are telling me you just put salt regardless. Well, there are a lot of adults that do that too. Don't worry about it. They, we, sometimes we just put salt on it before we meet it. No, then again, I don't. But one of the things I have found to be interesting, Avery loves cookbooks, and, and she looks at recipes a lot, and we, uh, we do some minimal cooking. I mean, this week we made a little cake in the microwave, didn't we? Yeah, that was pretty cool. But I I think it's odd in some of the recipes for some things that are sweet that it calls for some salt. You not think that's odd that you would put salt into something that's supposed to be sweet? Well, now, if I had a recipe, with which I wished I I did, but it, it normally just calls for a pinch of salt, just a little bit, just a little bit of salt to cover the bitterness um, I used to, Alan Jones used to tell me he would make the, the coffee at the snack shop. And he'd get up there early in the mornings and would um, make the coffee filters with coffee in it so that when the workers came in, they just had filters with coffee. And he would always tell me that he was taught to add a pinch of salt to the coffee grounds, that it took care of the bitterness um, in, in the coffee. Well, you know, we hear... Jesus tell us that we are supposed to have the same qualities, that we're supposed to add seasoning to the world, that that we are supposed to take care of the bitterness in the world. Now, how do we do that? Well, at the end of that verse at Mark, it says to be at peace with one another. You know, and I think that's, that's one of the greatest things that we can, can do. As believers and as followers of Jesus, we, we trust in him. And I'm going to tell you that I believe that he is what makes us salty. And I'm going to say that because I know that to be true. That without Jesus in our lives, we cannot add that flavor. We can't be what he wants us to be in the world without having him in our lives and trusting him. And in trusting him, we begin to want to serve him. And by serving him, we serve others and we do for others. And we are at peace with one another. And we add flavor to the world. You know, there's some pretty bitter things that happen in this world, isn't there? Some some pretty hard things. 
But as followers of Christ, living for Him, we can, we can help take away that bitterness. Jesus in us takes away that bitterness. So think about it this week. Here's the trick. You might say, well, how do I do that? I'm small. Remember what the recipes call for? Just a pinch. Just a pinch of salt. So you think about the little things that you can do in being nice to others and being at peace with each other and think about that adding flavor and seasoning and making the world taste better. All right? Let's pray. God, we pray that you would help us to be that salt. And we know that with your presence in us, that's the only way that's possible. And so we're thankful for what you do in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that people would be able to see you by the way we treat and serve others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Continue our worship together this morning as we sing hymn number 392, Stir Your Church, O God Our Father. Please stand as we sing. Thank you. 
before I pray, we do want to certainly praise the Lord for the liquid sunshine outside that we've been receiving the last couple days, and we're so grateful for that. Also, I want to remind you to continue to be in prayer for the family of Laddie Joe Wynn. We had his celebration of life service in here yesterday, and we want to continue to pray for Dale and Bobby and Jason and Heather and uh, the other uh, family members as well and the great-grandchildren, but uh, that is a, a big loss for their family and for our community and our church, and so we want to continue to remember that family. Also, remember Barbara Dawkins as she has a procedure this week, tomorrow, at Cleveland County Hospital. And uh, others who are having tests and uh, visits to the doctor this week, we just want to always be mindful of those who are in need of that. You may have a personal need on your heart this morning. It may be someone that is um, uh, going through a difficult time, maybe in your family, your neighborhood, friends, co-worker. I want to give you just a few seconds today to lift up your own prayer to the Lord, and then I will lead our prayer together this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for this service today, an opportunity, another opportunity to be in your house, to have the freedom to come, to worship together as one body. Father, we thank you for the rain that you've sent us over these last few days and how it replenishes the earth. We thank you for hearing our prayer about rain, but Lord, not only about rain, but about many other things as well. Lord, as we lift up concerns for our family and our friends, Father, we know and we trust that, Father, you are sitting on your throne in heaven, and that, Father, you are fully aware uh, and, um, of, of the concerns here on this earth. Father, you're not a God that has created us and has stepped back, but, Father, you are a personal God who desires relationships with each man and with each woman. Father, we thank you for being that type of God. We thank you for uh, all the wonderful and mighty and, and big things you do, but, Father, we're also grateful for the small things that you do as well. Father, meet each one here today at the point of their need. Father, only you know what those needs are. Some of those needs are uh, relational, Father, with another family member. It could be uh, a need within a family, within a marriage or with children. But, Father, we pray today that you would meet each one at the point of their need. Lord, if confession needs to take place, Father, we pray for that courage to do that. Lord, if um, uh, others need encouragement today, Father, we pray that you would spur them to, uh, to, speak, to speak with others and encourage them this day. Lord, we do pray for Barbara Dawkins this week. We ask for your blessing on her procedure tomorrow. Lord, we continue to pray for the family of Laddie Joe Wynn, also the family of um, Alan Jones. Lord, just uh, bless each of these families as they continue to grieve a recent loss. Father, we ask for your blessings again on our service today. Still our hearts speak to us today, Lord, at the point of our need. And Father, may we walk away saying it's good to have been in your house today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the, in the second chapter of James, we read that faith without service is dead. As we sing our next hymn, let us all open our hearts to hear God's voice and to consider what acts of service he might be calling us to do. Please stand as we sing together hymn number 611, Let Your Heart Be Broken.
Let's pray. Lord, we come to you um, to give thanks and realizing we've had many opportunities to give this morning, perhaps in Sunday school to the, the food pantry or the backpack ministry and for the missions in gathering and, and now for our regular tithes and offerings. God, we pray that you would bless these offerings and multiply them. We remember the, uh, the miracle of Jesus breaking the loaves and, and fish and multiplying them. So, Lord, we pray that you would multiply our offerings. And at the same time, we realize that we come before you with empty hands. What, what could we give you? Um, we remember in, in Romans 12, that, uh, your word tells us that we are to be living sacrifices. So we also pray that you would take our very selves and, and our attitudes, our, our, our thoughts, our words, our actions, that it would all be an offering to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. In a minute, we'll be reading verses 20 through 28. Is before, before I read this morning, I would like to uh, read something else. Many of you know Donnie, ba- Donnie excuse me, Bonnie Dowdy, a um, missionary in uh, of Bowling Springs in Cape Town, South Africa. She was referenced several weeks ago when our guest was here from the seminary. But many of you have been praying for her. The sermon this morning, I'm speaking about the cause of Christ. And we'll get into that here in just a moment. But the cause of Christ leads many people to do many things. Uh, sometimes things that, um, sometimes to be frankly honest from a human standpoint, simply don't make sense. Uh, but when the cause of Christ begins to fill us and indwell us, we begin to do some things that are unpredictable, things that are risky. 17 years ago, Bonnie Dowdy boarded a plane and went to Cape Town, South Africa. She has a, we have a letter from her this last week of some changes, some changes that will be taking place in her life. And she wanted me to read those for the church this morning and to thank many of you for praying for her. She wrote, Dear Boeing Springs Baptist Church family, Greetings from Cape Town, South Africa, where spring is bursting forth in all of its splendor and beauty. Wow, where do I begin? You have been praying for me over the last month as I have been faced with major decisions in my life. The whole thing has felt like a tsunami has hit me. Thanks for your prayers, emails, Facebook messages, etc. As, as you may be aware, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention has a major financial situation. Due to their finances, the IMB has asked anyone 50, of, 50 years of age and older with at least five years of experience on the field to accept their voluntary retirement incentive. The IMB is hoping 800 missionaries around the world will accept this incentive. I have prayed, wrestled, cried, struggled, cried, prayed, and on and on I could go. I prayed and asked you to pray for peace and wisdom, and God has been faithful. He has given me peace and wisdom. I have claimed Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, and Jeremiah 29, 11, along with many others. These passages have, has helped me through this whole ordeal. I have listened to Laura's story, sing blessings so many times, I think I've worn the CD out. And the song uh, Charleston, Charlton sang many years ago here at Boiling Springs Baptist called Trust His Heart has ministered to my every being. But today I can sing it as well with my soul and great is thy faithfulness. So I've signed the letter of intent for the uh, incentive package and said yes, that I will accept the package. I will be leaving Cape Town, South Africa, the place I have called home for the last 17 years. I will be flying out of Cape Town on December the 3rd, arriving in Charlotte on December the 4th. I will be officially retired from the IMB on the 15th of December, and I I will be moving back to settle in Boiling Springs. I have moved there in 1983 to serve as your minister of education and have been part of Bowling Springs Baptist Church ever since. Please pray for my mission, family, colleagues who are struggling with their decision to take the incentive or not, as many of them are in their 50s and have children in college. For the Cape Town Baptist Seminary, as they will uh, lose me as a lecturer and will have to now pay for someone to lecture since the IMB salary covered my teaching there. I'll be packing, sorting, selling, etc., the grief process of saying goodbye to my family and friends here, the grief I will experience when I arrive back in the States, the culture shock that I will experience as Cape Town is a city of 5.7 million people with many cultures. And coming back to Bowling Springs. (laughs) 
The unknowns that I have right now about settling back in the States and that all that has to be done. Future ministry is although I will be retired from the IMB, I will be a, I will, I will be a retread who is relocated to another place of service. Thank you for your prayer support and encouragement as I leave the beloved country and people of South Africa. You have supported and encouraged me throughout my 17 years here. God is faithful and is with me every step of the way. Thanks. Blessings and love. Bonnie Dowdy. Continue to keep her in your thoughts and prayers as we move forward, and we will uh, look forward to seeing her in December, although um, I'm sure she, uh, again, wishes that she could stay, but uh, we'll look forward to, to welcoming her, and I look forward as your new pastor, as her new pastor, to getting to know her as she comes back into the States. We'll be reading John 12, beginning at verse 20, down through verse 28. There were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethesda of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Verse 27, in our focus verse this morning. My soul has become troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose... I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I want to, before I pray, I want to uh, mention that in the King James, which this morning I have with me a Bible that was given to me when I was 11 years old by mom and dad, um, Christmas of 1986. I was, yeah, I hadn't quite turned 12 yet. And um, it's with me this morning, and I was reading this out of the King James this week as I was already meditating on this passage. But in verse 27, out of the King James, it reads, But for this cause I have come for this hour. In most places in your scripture translations, it may say purpose. I have the New American Standard Bible. I don't, I'm not sure the NIV or New Living Translation or what others have, but many, many of your translations, it will say purpose. But we're going to focus this morning on the cause. You often hear of people standing for a cause. And Jesus says, it is for this cause that I have come and for this hour. Father, glorify your name to give his life. Um, Jesus came for the cause. And that cause, again, was his life. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for the life that you lived, the death that you died, and the resurrection, Father, of life beyond death, not only in your, in your body, and, but Lord, in the spiritual realm, Father, you have given us life and life eternal because of what you did on Calvary. And then in three days you rose again. So Father, we claim that today. Father, we pray that the power of that resurrection would stir our hearts, would stir our minds, would stir our lives that they may be consumed for the cause as your life was consumed for the cause, Father, may our lives also be consumed for the cause. Lead us and guide us as we look to your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I ask you a question, and I want you to raise your hand if you're willing. It's somewhat embarrassing, but I have to raise my hand to answer this question. How many of you ever talk to yourself? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. More than I thought. Somebody told me this week, don't do that. It'll be embarrassing. I was like, well, look, I do it. I, I you know, I, but uh, Renee at home, sometimes I'll be in the shower. I'll be in another room and she'll, she'll come in. She, Who are you talking to? And I said, oh, and sometimes I don't even realize it. I was talking out loud, trying to process my thoughts. You know, I have a lot to process. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, sometimes I'm, I'm thinking to myself and sometimes I realize it and sometimes I don't even realize it. And sometimes it helps me. Maybe it helps you as well. When decisions need to be made, when, when a word needs to be spoken, whether it's Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, or to a, a private conversation that I need to have with someone that's coming up in a few hours during the week, I'm, I'm processing my thoughts. And so often, Renee will hear me saying something, and it's never as loud as I'm speaking now, but it's just a little something under my breath that if you're quiet, you can, you can often hear. I think today in the passage, and in other passages in the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, they give us glimpses into Jesus and into his inner self, if you will, and as he's processing and thinking about things. And we have that, I feel, today in this passage. In verse 27, Jesus is, is thinking about what lies ahead, and he says, My soul has become troubled. The human side of Jesus had become troubled. And he says, What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But then he answers his question by saying, he says, for this purpose, for this cause, I have come into the world. And not only for this, but he says, I have, for this purpose, I came to this hour, this time. Let me back up and remind you, in John chapter 2, we were looking at Mary this last Wednesday. And Jesus told Mary when uh, she was wanting him to do something about the problem of no wine at the wedding... Jesus, what did he say? He said, my hour has not yet come. Later in John chapter 7, verse 6, he says, my time is not yet here. But in verse 23 and 27, and 23 of what we just read in John 4, he now says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He said twice before, and there may be other references in the, in the other Gospels. I was looking just in John. Twice he said earlier in John, my time has not yet come. This is not my hour. Now we come to chapter 12, and Jesus reminds himself and others he is speaking to, the hour has now come. And we see down in verse 27, after he says, for this purpose, for this cause, I have come to this hour. If you've noticed on the front of your bulletin this morning, I was having conversations with the staff this week about what to put on the front of the bulletin, and uh, we were looking at different ways to list the scripture that we're looking at today, especially verse 27, and I said, you know what, I'm going to be referencing time, and I said, why don't we simply put an hourglass on the front of the bulletin, and I know what some of you may be thinking. You're thinking the pastor needs a good hourglass. He needs one sitting up here so he'll know when time is up. When time is up, it's up. Now, that doesn't need an amen. Um, but, uh, but, I, but I think the picture on the front is thought-provoking. Because as we think about Jesus in the passage here, Jesus now says, after, how, after having said earlier in the gospel, it's not my time, he now says, 
It is my time. I want to propose to you this morning that it is now our time. It is now our time to decide what we believe and decide to whom we will follow. And what does that look like for you? And what does that look like for me? As we think about time, we think about length of days. Let me remind each of you this morning that we are here, but for a brief time. None of us know when this lifeline of our own personal hourglass will be done. John, 20, John 12, 27 that we've looked at, Jesus said, This cause I have come to this hour. He was speaking of the events of the cross. Jesus knew why he came, and he is saying to those present, Now is the time. Every so often in the lives of many, there comes a task, a job, a calling, a, uh, 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 something that needs to be accomplished. That when we think about it, a little, maybe sometimes when we really get down to brass tacks and think about it, we're thinking this is an enormous task. This is a big undertaking. And there is no way single-handedly that I can accomplish either what I have been asked to do or what I feel led to do. It takes something extra, something supernatural to accomplish this task. Something that burns from within, maybe a dream. Maybe you have a dream or a vision. You know, I can't help but think about, as I was thinking about a dream, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. I can't help but think about uh, Billy Graham. I can't help but think about Abraham Lincoln. Or You may think of other people in history that um, were, uh, their life was consumed by the cause, by a cause. And this was a cause that they single-handedly could not accomplish were it not for the prayers to Almighty God, were it not for the working of God in their life. Maybe they served as a catalyst, as a leader, as a conduit for this change to take place, but yet they single-handedly could not accomplish this. I can't help but think, and I often refer to my ministry, I haven't yet done this here, but I'm going to do it for the first time today, but there's something in the Old Testament that draws me to the prophet Jeremiah. But in Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah, it was said of Jeremiah, or God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Jeremiah's life was consumed with a calling. It was a calling that Jeremiah didn't readily accept when he was issued the calling. But yet, he obediently followed the call of God on his life. His call was to preach judgment to the nation of Judah for over 40 years, which he did faithfully, not having one convert, not having one person who turned from their ways. He would use illustrations and examples. He would go on and on. And in Jeremiah 20, things had come to a precipice. Things had come to a, uh, to a point where Jeremiah was wanting to hang up the towel, where he was wanting to, to simply stop doing what God had called him to do. And in Jeremiah 27 through 9, he says this. Every time, first of all, that he considered this, um, he said this, I cannot, for your word is in me like a consuming fire, shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in, and indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah had become so discouraged. He had become so displacent, so downtrodden and discouraged about the task that God had called him to do. He was faithfully doing it. Nobody was listening. You ever feel like that at home sometimes? You're talking and nobody's listening. But Jeremiah had felt like this for many, many years. And he had, he had uh, through his own personal pain and, and sorrow, his illustrations, no one was hearing what he had to say. Jeremiah was wanting to fold in the towel. But he said he couldn't do it. 
because God's word was in him like a consuming fire, shut up in his bones. He's weary of holding it in, and indeed he could not. I think about Esther when she said, for such a time as this, I am here. Jesus knew why he came. And in 1227, we see that. We also see it in in, uh, chapter 18, verse 37, as Jesus was standing before Pilate. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this cause, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Has your life ever had such a a strong purpose or desire, a calling that we will die if we don't do this? Something that you've just felt so compelled to do? Um, I wish I felt like that, you know, every moment of every day. But there have been times in my life where I have felt that. And I hope there have been times in yours where you felt like that. Uh, For some of you, it may be teaching. I know we have a lot of educators in here that, you know what, if you weren't teaching, a part of you would just simply, you just simply wouldn't be who you were if that element wasn't in your life. For some of you, it may be leading, maybe in your place, in your job. For some of you, it's music. Music is a big part of your life. And if that music wasn't there, a part of who you are, a major part would be missing. And you have to answer that for yourself, what that, uh, what that strong desire, what that strong calling may be in your life. Brian Houston, in his book for this cause, he says this. He says, when you begin to get a revelation of the cause, no matter what comes against you in life, it won't be able to throw you off course. Discouragement, depression, or the frustrations of life won't be able to pull you down. Knowing that you were born for a cause will keep you moving forward and release you into the plans and the purposes of God. As I read this, I'm reminded of pastors and evangelists and other ministry leaders who go through terrible hardships and difficult times. We read of one this morning, uh, Bonnie Dowdy in South Africa. But we, we think of others, not only in the biblical text, but in our world today, who stands for the cause of Christ. And yet because of that, has to go through difficult hardships. But they do it because they have been called, because they have been indwelled with the cause. Is there an area of service for some of you that if someone took it away, a part of who you are would be missing? When you're walking with the Lord, what are the big things that you would love to do that seem impossible, that sometimes seem so big, that sometimes seem so scary? Sometimes the Lord leads us and compels us to do things that doesn't make our life easier. Sometimes they make our lives messy. They make it more difficult. But the Lord also says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 32, 17, and verse 27, he says this. He says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Jeremiah later says, uh, or uh, it, it is written of Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? This is God speaking a word to Jeremiah in the midst of his discouragement, in the midst of his uh, depression, in the midst of his doubts and questions. God reminds Jeremiah and asks him, Is anything too difficult for me? Brian Houston also says when he speaks about the cause, he'll, he says a vision without a cause is little more than a set of personal goals. 
It is my desire and our desire as a church, families, we move forward later this fall and into next year to talk more about what our vision is for the future. What does that look like? But one of the things that's greater than a vision is the cause. Let me say that again. A vision without a cause is little more than a set of personal goals. A vision can be personal, but a cause is bigger than any one person. A vision is something you possess, but a cause possesses you. You wouldn't die for a, a vision, but you will die for a cause. Jesus said in John 12, 27 and in 18, 37, for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come to this hour. As we think about the power of a cause, I, can't, I was reminded of something that I had heard uh, some time back, but uh, a cause leads us to not have the same old disease. Have you ever heard about that? Do you know some people that have the same old disease? I heard a pastor preaching one time and he said that the same old disease is a little bit like this. You wake up in that same old bed, you hit that same old alarm clock, you put on the same old clothes, walk down the same old hall, eat the same old food, get the same old keys and get in the same old car and go down the same old road to see the same old boss, to do the same old work, to experience the same old stress, only to go back to that same old car and go back down that same old road to that same old house, maybe stop by the same old store to get the same old food, to go home to watch the same old TV, only to get back in that same old bed. And let me tell you something, when the cause of Christ consumes us, when the cause of Christ is so real and alive in our hearts and in our minds, there shouldn't be the evidence of the same old disease. When the cause of Christ consumes us, there's things that come up that are unpredictable. There's things that come up that get a little messy sometimes. There's things that happen that allows us to experience what faith and what it means to step out and to risk something. A lot of us don't have to experience that each day, but it's my challenge and my hope for each of us that as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, that as our lives become consumed with the cause of Christ, first of all, we'll want to serve. We've been talking about service over the last few weeks, and it's my hope that we won't have the same old disease. We won't be stuck in the same old patterns, doing the same old thing, the same old way. But as we become consumed with the cause We'll begin to open up our hearts and our minds to what that might look like. God, what would you have me to do for the cause of Christ? I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord. I want to serve God. You've gifted me with certain talents and, and skills and, and skill sets. This afternoon at five, we're going to be beginning a new series, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. If you have not yet signed up for that class, we will try to make some copies and make sure you have material there. But we would encourage you to come to that today. At five o'clock, we'll be meeting in the fellowship hall. It'll be lasting for four weeks. Uh, but discover how God has gifted you so that as we think about living for the cause, that cause can be evident and can be all-consuming in your life. The cause, specifically, the cause of Christ says, I'm a disruption to your daily schedule. I'm often messy. Again, I'm unpredictable. Being obedient to the cause will take us to places we've never dreamed of going. The cause will lead us to do things that are out of our comfort zone. The cause will lead us to serve with passion in an area where we feel gifted to serve. The cause of Christ will affect our future vision for Bowling Springs Baptist Church. When we get behind his cause, he will get behind our vision. When our focus is on his cause, we will experience the blessing of God like never before. When our vision for the future is linked to the cause of Christ, it will have supernatural power and purpose. Any vision is only as powerful as the cause that it is linked to. Are you living your life for the cause of Christ? 
I want to close with a story this morning. It's by John W. Gardner. He's the founding chairman of, of Common Cause. It's a rare and high privilege to help people understand the difference they can make, not only in their own lives, but also in the lives of others, simply by the giving of themselves. Gardner tells of a cheerful old man who asked the same question of just about every new acquaintance that he fell into conversation with. This is the question. He says, what have you done that you believe in and that you are proud of? He never asked conventional questions such as, what do you do for a living? It was always, what have you done that you believe in and are proud of? It was an unsettling question for people who had built their self-esteem on their wealth or their family name or their exalted job title. Not that the old man was a fierce interrog in, in, interrogator. He was delighted by a woman who answered, I'm doing a good job raising three children. By a cabinet maker who said, I believe in good workmanship and I practice it. By a woman who said, I started a bookstore and it's the best bookstore for miles around. I don't really care how they answer, said the old man. I just want to put the thought into their minds. They should live their lives in such a way that they may have a good answer. Not a good answer for me, but for themselves, that's what's important. So let me ask you this morning, what have you done that you believe in and are proud of? You can begin to new, to, uh, new today from this day forward. You can live a life with meaning and, will pur and with purpose. Will you join me in saying that the hour has come and that today is the day. Jesus, I want my life to be lived for the cause of Christ. I know it will not always be easy or pretty, but today I stand with others in saying I'm no longer living for me, but I'm living for him. Are you involved in a ministry, in an area of service that you believe in and that are proud of? I want to urge you today to know Jesus, to follow Jesus to pursue Jesus. And as you do, he will give you that sense of purpose and he'll give you that sense of meaning. And you'll begin to discover uh, sometimes a new area of your life that will bring you tremendous joy. And you will find yourself like many others who will say, you know what, if I don't do this, a part of who I am will be missing. How are you doing in your relationship with the Lord this morning? What is he calling you to do for him that maybe you haven't been doing? Maybe some of you have been serving faithfully for many years and you found that sense of meaning and that sense of purpose and that sense of calling in what you've been doing. How is God speaking to you this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we read it, it's not words on a page, but Lord, it challenges us. It inspires us. It, it convicts us. But, Father, it fills our lives with purpose. It fills our lives with meaning so that, Father, the words we speak each day, the paths that our feet lead us, uh, the responsibilities of family and of work and of church have a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of meaning. Lord, your life was consumed with the cause. The cause, you didn't just come on this earth to share some good words that other men could write down, but, Father, you came to this earth to die, to die for sinners to die for each of us in this place today. And that, Father, you not only died, but you spent three days buried in a tomb. And, Father, on the third day, you arose to give us life, victory over sin and over death. Father, I pray that if there's one here today that's never put their faith and their trust in you to be their Lord and Savior, that today would be that day. 
Father, I pray if there's others here that just simply need to, to pray and to seek your face about having a greater sense of purpose, about getting rid of the same old disease that may have infected their lives. Father, I pray today that, to, that today would be that new day. Today would be the beginning when they could walk out of here with a fresh sense of purpose. Father, speak to our hearts as we stand and sing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is open. You're welcome to pray. If the Lord is speaking to you, maybe leading you to become a member of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, we'd love to talk with you more about that today. Let's stand and sing. Hymn number 482.
service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.